This week's episode of the QS In Conversation pod is supported by HKU Business School. For more information about their programs, visit fbe.hku.hk. Let's go back in time. QS was formed way back in the early 90s. In fact, this year marks the 30th anniversary of the company, making it only a few years younger than me. Back then, QS was very tied to MBA programs. One of our original missions was to inform current and prospective MBA students about career opportunities, and came in the wake of a boom in popularity for the program throughout the 70s and 80s. Back then, grads were using the MBA to fast-track careers in areas like consulting or banking, and particularly within the US. But since then, just as QS has broadened its scope to higher education, MBAs have progressed beyond their original geographies and sectors. Engineers are as likely to undertake an MBA as finance graduates, and with a massive economic potential in the region, an Asian MBA might just be the next big thing for international students. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you happen to find yourself in the world at the moment, and welcome to the QS in Conversation pod. I'm Anton John Crace, and I'm the editor and program designer at QS Corp. Lily Simmons. This week on the pod, Sachin Tipness, Senior Executive Director at HKU Business School, joins us to discuss the rise of Asian-based MBAs and new directions for the programs. Welcome to the show, Sash, and thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, Anton. It's a pleasure to be here. Excellent. Now, we're talking today about the MBA programs that HKU is offering at the moment. Can you tell me a little bit about the approach to design of these programs that HKU is using? Uh, what makes them uh, unique, for example? Yeah, sure. So I think the design and the uniqueness kind of is hand in hand. The way we design is based on why we want to be unique and how we want to be unique. So one of the things what from the very beginning we decided that we have to be a school which is going to be having a very strong regional perspective. Uh, when we started this MBA program, Asia was getting more and more important, becoming more and more important, uh, which is in early 2000. But now if you see Asia is one of the biggest markets in the world, it continues to grow. And that's why we had decided that we are going to give our students a very strong regional perspective either through the content, which is through the case studies we are going to use. We use a lot of case studies for global companies, but with a little bit of an angle towards Asia, we pick up a lot of cases on companies operating in Asia. Of course, the delivery part of it, because a lot of our professors are doing their research work connected to this part of the world. At the same time, when we are bringing in adjunct professors, what we call coming from the practice area, which is coming from the industry, who are the CEOs of the companies, directors of the companies, partners of large consulting companies, when they are teaching into our program, they are bringing in all their knowledge and experience of working in the Asian office, the regional office back to the class. And then of course, the diversity of the class itself. At the same time, the world is interconnected. So we have another unique proposition. We don't follow the exchange programs uh, phenomena, which uh, most of the schools follow. We decided that we need to have close partnership with just few schools. So that's how we have a very close exchange partnership with London Business School in London, uh, Columbia University in New York, and Fudan University in Shanghai. So we basically just work for these three schools. That means the students have a very clear path. Uh, they don't have to worry about, oh, I need to compete with my classmates. There is only one or two places for top universities. No, these are the three schools we work very closely with. 
And from the very beginning, that means even at the admission stage, they know they are in the New York track or London track or the China track, which is the Fudan mm. track. And it's their choice. Absolutely. I interviewed uh, Nunzio, the founder of QS Corkerly Simmons, a month or so ago for the Global MBA and MBA by specialization or uh, business masters, I should say, rankings. And he made the observation that the rise of the MBA program in Asia has been going on, as you said, for the past 20 years. Previously, it was almost a little bit of an exclusive uh, area or a niche area that was within the Americas and Europe. It has expanded further and it continues to expand. I'm curious when it comes to your approach to a regional focused MBA program, how does that differ from, say, an American or European MBA program? So, you know, let's take a real example. In a, in a typical MBA class, say, for example, if you pick up a case study on Amazon, uh, which is a company which is uh, really uh, discussed a lot in MBA schools around the world. The focus probably in the US schools and Europe school is mostly about the markets, which are the Western markets to say so as to Amazon, uh, how Amazon is doing and so on and so forth. With us, it would be on emerging markets. So yes, we do cover how Amazon has done well and you know the Amazon's uh, market penetration in the Western world. But at the same time, we look at uh, what is Amazon's challenge say in Asian arena, where the local players are equally as strong, if not stronger. So for example, in China, the local players are much more stronger. So what does that challenge bring in? So we focus on this kind of an angle, which kind of creates a little bit more of an Asian focus to say so. This is just one example to demonstrate how uh, that Asian focus is achieved. And I would guess in that instance, it would be uh, the Alibabas um, here in Singapore, you have Lazada, et cetera. Those would be the, sure. the Asian versions of, of Amazon and how Amazon is trying to get into those markets. Absolutely. Absolutely. That for me is quite interesting, I suppose. Um, obviously, I grew up in Australia and I have uh, culturally a lot of influences especially with music, uh, music artists from America and also from the UK. And speaking to some of my colleagues and friends in Singapore, they I show them some music and they, they have no idea what that is. So it's interesting to see that in the business world, there's still a very, very strong regional differentiation between the, the Europeans, the Americans, Asian and, and South Asia as well, I suppose. Absolutely. And, you know, Anton, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people like yourself and me who live in Asia, we understand that a lot of companies initially when they were coming into these markets, they thought what worked for them in San Francisco or Paris or Frankfurt or New York would work for them in these markets. Soon they realized not at all. These markets operate very differently. So we want to make sure because majority of our students would be employed in Asia uh, we want to make sure that they understand this context. They know how to do business in this part of the world. That is a very, very critical thing for us because we get students from all over the world, but they are choosing to be in Hong Kong. They're coming here because they want to understand how Asia works and they want to live here. They want to work here. And that's why we want to give that strong perspective to them. Moving forward, I guess, what are the trends in MBA programs for Hong Kong students and international students considering studying in Hong Kong? I think one of the things which has emerged out of uh, the post-COVID-19 situation is that uh, places like Hong Kong have recovered much faster. 
and we are already in a recovery mode. Uh, the businesses are going back to normal. So we do believe that this stability, which has come through after COVID-19 uh, as quickly as it could uh, in a place like Hong Kong, really gives a, a great opportunity for students. Because for example, we, we are uh, our full-time programs are back to physical classes. We just had in between a certain amount of online classes or whatever, but we are back to classroom learning. So I think that itself creates uh, great opportunities. On top of it, as everybody has been talking about in this part of the world, uh, the Greater Bay Area of uh, mainland China is going to be the next big engine of growth for Asia. And Hong Kong is going to play an extremely important role in this mix. And we do believe that if the next four, five years is going to be uh, when the growth engine is going to be right in where we are located, that will create tremendous opportunities for the way we conduct MBA program, the kind of resources we are able to generate. And that eventually will lead to great opportunities uh, for students to come here to experience that and be part of this wave to say so. What has made it even easier, uh, which kind of attract students from all over to Hong Kong is that Hong Kong continues to be one of the only places in the world now where the visa regime is extremely flexible. Each and every student of ours, when they graduate, they are eligible to get a work visa in Hong Kong. So, which is great because that work visa is their own work visa. They, they are not dependent on sponsorship of any company, uh, which also creates more entrepreneurs, I believe, because it gives them the flexibility to, to start their own things, so because of the very flexible visa regime, along with a very stable environment in Hong Kong, uh, given that we were able to recover much faster than other places around the world, and this tremendous growth engine, which the Chinese government is taking a great pride in, in the next, uh, I would say, in the next couple of years, right here where we are located, I think creates tremendous opportunity for those considering studies, studying in Hong Kong. You've touched on a couple of things that I wanted to discuss a little bit later on, especially around COVID-19. Yeah. But I suppose before we get into that, uh, you mentioned that HKU has been doing the MBA program since the early 2000s, so the better part of two decades of experience within this space. How have the programs changed over time and, and not just within your university, but more broadly within an Asian context? Right. So with us, of course, I mean, the programs have trained, changed tremendously. Uh, as you rightly said uh, at one point of the uh, talk, that uh, probably in early 2000, it was still the US and the European schools, which when people thought about doing MBA, they could only think about those. But now, top Asian schools uh, in Hong Kong, in mainland China, in Singapore, have become a real competition to these schools. It's a, a, I would say it's a real choice for students to choose a top school in Asia. Now, connected to that, in, in terms of even us as to how we have changed, we have changed fundamentally in terms of the way we are also delivering our courses. So there's a more and more emphasis now on how the economy in Asia has changed. Digitization and the technology advancement in Asia have been much faster than the other parts of the world. So which means that the schools in this part of the world also had to be the same. We, I guess we introduced the electives connected to say artificial business, AI for business or FinTech or uh, as such uh, digitalization and innovation 
much even much earlier than some uh, other schools around the world because that was the need of the market uh, another major change what has happened is the emphasis on entrepreneurship now just not just startup or entrepreneurship but a mindset because that has another change in asia so traditional asia was all about working for large companies uh, having a career path but that has changed now uh, more and more startup uh, unicorns are coming out of asia places like hong kong places like mainland china singapore are investing tremendously in terms of providing a platform where uh, startups can really do well and blossom but it is about whether to develop that entrepreneurial mindset that mindset is very important the even large companies are looking for that mindset i think all these things have changed over a period of time and probably the last thing which i have also seen which has happened recently is lifelong learning never stop learning has been a a a, a kind of an anthem in this part of the world and is getting more and more relevant and uh, we have also introduced that element into our program so at hku uh, once you uh, become alumni at our mba program in the future you can come back and keep taking uh, mba electives mba courses so for example say somebody who graduated in 2010 when there was no ai for business elective or no fintech uh, or blockchain elective now they can come back and for low cost they can continue to to learn so i think these have been some of the changes over the last probably a decade or so that's great i also really like the way you describe the lifelong learning as an anthem because very much it is uh, the last uh, interview i did also spoke about lifelong learning and it keeps coming up but another term that you've used is the entrepreneurial mindset which also comes up quite regularly when we're discussing business but not just business higher education in general can you sort of go over what the entrepreneurial mindset is we always think that entrepreneurial mindset is all about hey i'm going to start a startup business or not no it's basically in our view it is students to become problem solvers students to become somebody who's able to adapt to different situation even in a large uh, organization where probably the resources are uh, many still thinking like a entrepreneur where they uh, where there are sometimes resource limitation and then how to work within those constraints these are some of the things we want our students to have and this is uh, earlier this all these thoughts things used to be associated uh, with somebody who is very entrepreneurial right we used to call such a person but these are the skill sets now needed for somebody working even for a fortune 500 company or a regional powerhouse uh, in a conventional role they also need these kind of skill sets and that's what we want our students to become now we have touched a little bit already on covid-19 and unfortunately it's quite inescapable at this point in time but how has hku adapted its mba programs during these global shutdowns uh, and and how are mba programs changing at the moment so we did couple of things like uh, every school around the world of course initially we did get affected because it was quite sudden that hey from classroom we need to go online uh, but i think we did it uh, very quickly and quite well in sense that again uh, we were able to adapt very quickly and then we went into hybrid more very 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 one of the first few schools probably in asia to do so and that kind of required some kind of adjustment both from our professors and our students so we did spend a considerable amount of time with our students explaining them how this is going to work why we need to do this but the good part 
was that we also responded to the market in sense we realized that certain skill sets the students can actually get these kind of skill sets even through online education or even through blended learning to say so and we started doing a lot of webinars connected to that even for our alumni community we started doing webinars we started doing a lot of virtual what we call networking even and at the same time we even give a fund a certain amount of money uh, a funding to all our mba students saying this is the funding available if you want to upgrade your technical skills you want to upgrade certain skills which are now because after covid 19 will become uh, relevant and which may not be part of the curriculum at the moment because uh, as you understand curriculum cannot just change middle of academic year within a month no, not at all no right so that's why we uh, we went ahead and said okay let's give this funding to our students give them some mentorship and coaching about what kind of a courses they can do and and then we encourage them to do courses on open learning platforms uh, so that they could be covid-19 ready i suppose if we look at the work that comes out of covid-19 too how do you see that covid-19 as a phenomenon would impact the the content of an mba program down the line i do believe that people have started accepted the fact that some of the things could be worked online so i think blended education probably would be uh, the future to say so uh, let me give you some specific example say uh, we used to do sometimes a certain um, you know workshops or a boot camp on certain basics of business or whatever that also in person right but we realize now that all these kind of things can be actually moved online and we can actually have a pre mba uh, kind of a series which could have all these elements which uh, could be uh, part of virtual learning so i think blended learning is something which would be uh, something the covid 19 would be making a big impact on the second thing which probably would make a big impact on is how does the career services of uh, business schools adapt themselves because it will take a bit of a time before the job market really goes back to its normal uh, situation and that's why it will become really a reality where students have to be coached and mentored in a way uh, that we are able to empower them not you know just making sure that every time there's a company which comes on campus we do the introduction they do couple of interviews and then the job happens yes uh, that will continue to happen but at the same time i think covid-19 has has definitely opened the doors where uh, we have to think about hey you know how do we empower our students third thing which has changed and we can see it in with us boundaries are gone so we used to have a lot of uh, people from industries to come in and talk to our students over and above our normal curriculum right and we used to always concentrate on hey is this person available in hong kong so yeah most of the time because hong kong is such a big huge regional hub yes but now we can actually get somebody sitting somebody sitting in new york or somebody in in tokyo to do what we are doing now a zoom call uh, you know get somebody to do uh, through the webex or something like that so and this the barriers are down students have accepted the fact that hey that's also okay i can still get uh, some knowledge out of that interaction and in terms of the actual content of what's being taught will there be an influence on that i bring this up uh, because i know that supply chain management is becoming an area of interest at the moment and you know trying to restart a lot of the supply chains that are currently 
being affected by the global shutdowns. Is there anything, any area that COVID-19 will eventually become a case study for an MBA student? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, supply chain is, is going to be a huge factor because all the companies realized that reliance on a single domain supply chain was a huge issue. So definitely that. Also, another thing which is going to change is, uh, you know, a lot of MBA schools like HKU, we have uh, courses like high-performing teams. High-performing team course, which is the core course at HKU, we focus a lot on how to work in multicultural environment, how to work with different types of teams, structures, and all that. But now work from home is a reality. And this probably will go on for some time. So now we need to change the content of courses like this to make sure that students also understand how to even work in diverse cultures, teams, across time zones, and physically you're not meeting these people. You're all working from homes. Leadership course will also have to change because leadership, a lot of that again was based on the premise of being in the same place, uh, having that you know physical contact and that discussions and so on and so forth. But now if things are happen, going to happen more virtually, even then the context of leadership changes, the context of even how do you work with uh, both uh, upward and downward stream would change. Another thing COVID-19 probably has done is uh, has uh, taken what we call the technology part to, to the next level in sense that more and more people have realized that maybe ordering things online, I'll tell you a simple thing, like in, when there was a lockdown, more and more people got uh, adapted they started adapting to even order food online, which possibly earlier they, they were not. Small place like Hong Kong, it's so convenient to just go down and get something. But if you see the numbers of, you know, say Food Panda or Deliveroo, those numbers have gone up. And COVID-19, like for example, has helped Netflix tremendously. Again, the kind of case studies we are talking about this and this business tech is becoming more and more relevant. So that has to come in. I see for trends, uh, not just COVID-19, but overall MBA programs in the future. Mm -hmm. One will be embracing the tech. Another thing which people have to do is to really the the business ethics uh, will become even more important. Third will be collaboration with industry has to go even more up. And the fourth trend, what I talked about, develop entrepreneurial mindset. This, This situation has given us a further nudge that we need to do that. And I say this because this four trends, because we are now undergoing uh, a new curriculum change at uh, HKU. And these are the four elements we are going to keep in mind in our new curriculum design. That's really interesting. Now we're quickly running out of time. So I do want to ask one final question. And we've also hit on it a bit already talking about supply chain management, for example. But where do you see the MBA programs developing over the next few years? Are there any disciplines that are going to become uh, of further interest? Or are there going to be ways in which uh, the teaching changes even further uh, outside of just the blended model? Uh, I guess um, uh, business tech, for sure is going to be very, very important. And second, analytics and business analytics. Again, because for MBA, it it cannot be way too technical, I would say, but business analytics, uh, business tech are the two major areas. Uh, Of course, supply chain, as you rightly pointed out, 
would be another very important area. And the fourth area, which probably is underplayed at the moment in MBA, but in my personal opinion is a very important area, is called project management. Because when you look around, you will see that a lot of jobs in the market and a lot of people are actually, the uh, project management will go even more further in terms of its importance because we have to manage all these resources, multiple markets. You need uh, people who are able to manage different stakeholders, put that project together, take it further. So I do believe that project management should also become a part of the integral part of MBA teaching to say so. So this would be in terms of the the areas of where uh, I would say the the MBA programs will uh, will be developing or moving forward. That's very interesting. I'll leave it there. Thank you very much for your time, Sashan. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure talking with you. Hello again, everyone. It's Anton here once more. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Pod, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. This week was supported by HKU Business School. For more information about their programs, visit fbe.hku.hk. Now, we're fast approaching the end of the year, but before then, we still have a series of conferences at QS, including Reimagine Education, which will run from the 9th to the 11th of November. For more information, visit reimagine-education.com. And on behalf of the team here, good night.